Yo, yo. I'm looking in the rest of this place and um yeah, I'm I'm totally changing my setting. But um yo, this is the Hearing Colors to Kill Sounds podcast. <laughs> and um this is the most weirdest podcast series you can find on Spotify, on Apple. I'm thinking low-key that I may just put this on YouTube or ad-lib or upload my vocals to YouTube or some shit like this. I'll figure that out. But, uh, yes, basically, uh, hit the subscribe button. You can find me on Amazon.com. You can find me on multi-platforms, Instagram, all these other different things, obscurely so. You can also uh, actually uh, buy and purchase the book. Um, that I'm talking about and what this series is basically about. And I, I really, you know, I'm uh, super, super excited about where this podcast and where my brand is going. Uh, this is 2023, so it's like three years in uh, of me doing the podcast. And uh, being on somebody else's, you know, series or whatever, I'll probably just be super chill, light up my spliff, which I'm about to do right now. This doubles as a writer's room as well. Basically, for any writer who is interested in understanding what it is that goes and entails uh, the process of being a writer. It's not just so much finishing a project versus the thought processes that go into creating something. Uh, The end mean all or the goal is initially what you go after. But I talk about the, the cool parts and the, the inspirational parts. Mm-hmm. It's not so much just smoking weed. But that's generally what I do as an artist. Other artists do many different things. I don't condone it. <laughs> Save the trees for me. But, uh, yeah, this is a <laughs> crazy, crazy time period uh, to be an artist. It's really, really an awesome time, really. I was telling someone uh, this earlier today that it was uncharted territory that we're in. And so now we have the liberty of, you know, setting the tone uh, for future generations to understand what it is uh, or what it takes uh, to be a creative or whatever it is that they decide to be uh, in the future and not so much just making it uh, a side job or something like this but to match the creative aspect of uh, artificial intelligence to match the creative aspect of what everyone uh, man and humanity has done since the beginning of time and uh, making it their own and making it an individual style is something that I'm very curious to see uh, someone told me that they weren't tech savvy, and I was like, tech savvy? You know how to, you got 5G on your phone. Like, I'm speaking to you in 5G, right? <laughs> I was like, you know how to download a, a program or an app, and then, you know, open the file, and then, you know, have it on your phone. That's more than general person who is not tech savvy, you know, and to understand the, the added bonuses of being a computer person, regardless of what one thinks of themselves in this day and age, 
the acceptance of you know adaptation and, and the change in times is uh, paramount. Uh, I find this as a uh, useful thing uh, as a writer versus being a uh, very root and uh, very stringent or very strict in what it is that I inspire myself with or inspire myself, excuse me, uh, aspire to be the best writer. But the thing is, is we have so many different avenues and things to look at and we have many many different things on Netflix we've got many many different books and you know pop culture always highlights uh, the most popular thing at the time but the thing that you know is your cult classic or things that you always gravitate towards like the Hardy Boys or you know Nancy Drew or old school stories uh, generally uh, stand the test of time and you can see this just by the body of work. Um, I was thinking about this the other day, and I got to go back and, and look at the comic book series, even the graphic novels, but uh, the Boondocks, uh, really, really super inspirational back in like 2005, 2004, uh, when I first started watching it. And uh, it kind of stood the test of time as far as the jokes, and they were really you know, on point as far as uh, describing on a South Park black level of uh, the obscurities and things in African-American culture uh, that were kind of weird and funny. But I mean, jokes are 70% serious and 30% joke. And uh, before I go on my super, super, super rant, um, this all ties into my story and how I incorporate it. Uh, I was talking about this yesterday uh, about style and how people develop things and how uh, other people steal. Uh, there's a thing of, you know, developing a style and I never want someone to look at my work or body of work and be like, oh, it looks like this or that. Um, I wanted it to be something that uh, definitely looked like a kindergartner did it, but in my own way so that it was very indicative of you know some preconceived thought or uh, me thinking about it before I did it or preconceived notion to it and uh, just so that you know the other artists can appreciate the aesthetics of it and, and I know these people have gone to you know art school and things like this and me um, just being a street artist and, and understandably so uh, bringing that element to my writing um, was another element of my style and uh, I, I wanted to, you know, comment on these things because this is a writer's room. So writers kind of like get into this mode or they get into this this way of thinking of cranking out like pages and like, you know, like Stephen King, six pages a day type shit. And if you crank out a, what do you call this, a paragraph, like that is insanely important. <laughs> you know, like that is versus the person who did nothing that day versus anybody you can write in your head you can do anything as far as developing something and uh, just thinking about a project is spending time doing something i i always forward that motion versus thinking negatively of yourself and i always you know i tell other artists um, by doing many different things you don't have to be sitting in front of anything you know, a desk or a laptop, uh, the ideas will come. And as long as you keep thinking of yourself as an artist, something of fruition will happen. And uh, it takes time, 
And it's coming from myself who is constantly, you know, reevaluating what it is that I do and how I represent that. Because I also want to, you know, represent and bestow that to other artists that you can definitely grind, you can definitely do something, and they will definitely come back uh, tenfold, twentyfold. And, and this podcast is testament to that. Um, I've started it. I appreciate you guys. The more and more um, you guys support, the more intricate my art um, becomes. And I'm super appreciative of my listeners. Um, I'll keep posting it. It really, it's, it's a real, you know, self-retrospect period of knowing yourself as an artist. And I sound like one of those, like, self-help people, but it's not, <laughs> it is not the tree-hugging, you know, self-seminar type deal when everyone, you know, understandably wants to be an artist and have, you know, people fan over their, their work. And so to be an artist, other artists and, and writers particularly uh, kind of discourage other writers to do certain things. And I'm not that. I, I definitely encourage writers to keep writing uh, whatever it is, what I, if, if it's a short story, if it's, you know, a novel series, something that, you know, the artist or author is proud of, you know, speaking about it with. And uh, as long as you have that, you know, even if it's a concept, that's something versus anything else or, or someone else that does not claim to be a writer or an author. And uh, I, I was just thinking about these things and, you know, the inception of my book, uh, how I describe the characters and how I developed it and, and my writing process. And I, I've gone through it and uh, these past few days. Um, I've kind of been, you know, reevaluating how it was that I came up with these things. It, it wasn't just simply a, a simple conversation with someone of me drilling them with questions. Uh, it was really something else that I had to sit down and, you know, like look up at the ceiling and, and kind of, you know, not meditate for, but kind of see in real time, you know, if a character could actually do uh, what I was saying that they were feeling. And uh, coming up with a scenario that wasn't something, you know, too dramatic, but definitely placing myself in one's shoes for more than, uh, I call it a moon cycle. And uh, when you do that, uh, you kind of get a breath of uh, the character in a different way. And uh, I don't recommend this for all writers. I, I generally, uh, it's not even science fiction that you may or may not be writing. But generally, if it's, you know, autobiographical or anything, uh, to come up with this air or to come up with this uh, presence of narration is something that uh, takes some skill with or skill set. But like I say, uh, just a bit of time. It's just thinking, just thinking about it. Just think about it. I I'm going to just name this podcast. Uh, just think about it. <laughs> because... That's where my story uh, came from. I was just uh, thinking of the, the concept at first. And it initially, you know, sprang uh, more of me thinking of it. And I was just, you know, running away with this imagination. And it just snowballed. And, and finally, after a few years, I was like, you know what? This is a great idea. I'm just going to write this down. And I, and I began doing so and, you know, keeping, keeping the notes <clears throat> and then finally, you know, self-published. The thing is, for Hearing Colors to Kill Sounds, the way that I, I did the characters was something that uh, 
one could consider, you know, retrospective or introspective, you know, an inward uh, expression of emotions from the artist that they were feeling and, uh, you know, bestowing them to uh, characters to give a highlight of, you know, a different sense of humanity. And uh, I attempted to do that. And the, the aspect of not having, you know, experienced these, these ills, but on an emotional level of trying to, you know, replicate that um, through the characters so that they wouldn't just seem like, you know, crazy or they wouldn't just seem like someone who was displaced. Uh, displacing someone from memories is a very uh, difficult thing to embody. And, and what I mean by this is to, you know, personify something that uh, is not acted. <laughs> It's something that is, you know, very serious and something that someone feels from the bottom of their heart uh, is something that is very true, is very raw. Um, it's a very an emotional thing. And, and to take that from someone, such as their memory, um, kind of puts them and inundates them with these emotions um, on a mass level and uh, all at once. And so uh, I personify and, you know, not personify, excuse me, I rather uh, painted the picture of these characters, and the first one uh, was his mother, and uh, she was, you know, waking up to these memories and things like this, and uh, sitting there amongst all these other women who were refugees. Now, basically, at the beginning of the story, uh, the picture that I was painting was of, uh, you know, raping, pillaging, all kind of crazy stuff, and uh, essentially very medieval-esque. And, you know, people doing these things, but uh, quite possibly uh, on the mental level, too. And um, then these women, you know, banded together and other refugees, men and, and kids, uh, they, they kind of, you know, amassed in this giant, 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 super, super, super big tree. And um, that's where they were just, you know, piecing together and having these conversations. And if you could believe, you know, having a conversation of speaking with someone for the first time, uh, they were determining which was uh, a language. And so uh, it's kind of like this uh, transmigration of these people uh, speaking to one another in grunts and motions and hand motions and gestures, while other people, you know, they're not speaking or, you know, just dealing and coping. Um, that was the massing the first thing that came to my mind when I wrote this story and uh, I kind of ran with that it had another character uh, if you could believe uh, he was a writer and uh, I actually write it in it and I think it's either the third or the second piece in my book and uh, he shares the same scene as the woman uh, that I personify in the first story and uh, they're both witnessing the same things but from different perspectives. And uh, he's basically uh, aware, and I don't allude to him forgetting his memories, but definitely uh, he remembers certain things that others didn't um, by, you know, remembering of writing on paper or partridge and, or parcels, and then too, uh, what do you call this, language and symbols. All these other different things that would be super, 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 super helpful. Uh, he was like, you know, uh, apprehensive on speaking and did not speak uh, just because he understood just on a deeper level that people would definitely make him uh, a martyr or something else could happen that was even worse. 
And uh, those are generally the two stories that I had uh, of personifying uh, hearing colors to kill sounds for someone who was not familiar with it. And uh, for the writer's room and the reasoning why I'm mentioning this is because uh, that conversation still persists, but in different ways. And, you know, it can go infinitely in amount of possibilities on what uh, one could describe as a language or to describe an emotion or, you know, to correlate that. And how would you go about? And so the next one, I, I'll talk about that, how important language is. Uh, how deep, how in-depthful it is, but uh, how you can do it so that it correlates to different uh, cultures and different places around the world. So definitely uh, check me out. I have more podcasts. I actually start uh, recording, what do you call these, like hour podcasts, super specials or something like this. But uh, <laughs> definitely check those out. This is V. AKA Vernon English, peace.